welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me always is Sam Neal. Hiya. How are you doing, Sam? I'm alright, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Really good. I'm excited to talk about some Dominaria. Yeah, me too. had a lot of fun at the pre-release weekend. I can't wait to talk I, all about it. I had no fun at the pre-release weekend because I didn't go to one. Oh no, what happened? Yeah. I just didn't have time. Oh. <laughs> I sort of made plans for getting it was pre-release weekend, and then felt too bad to back out of them. Oh, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, like stories I've heard from other people, it seems like it's it was really really fun for a lot of people, and people are really excited about this set. So yeah, totally. Uh, I know I'm definitely feeling that way myself. Mm-hmm. So did you play any Magic this week? Um, I've played some. <laughs> <laughs> I played. I've just been playing some Legacy. Sweet, okay. I've been just, like, testing up Legacy, because I've got my Maverick deck together. Yeah, awesome. And I'm currently in the process of turning it into Punishing Maverick. Okay, cool. So I need to pick up a Tega and a Plateau. Yeah. Uh, and put some Punishing Fires in. But yeah, like, I forgot how much I love I love Legacy, because I played it for about a year, a couple of years ago. Yeah. And then had to mm, sell out, because adult things. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> life gets in the way of magic. Yeah, exactly, which is unfortunate. But, like, I've, you know, I'm moving most of my collection, like, my nonsense foils I have, into into Jewel Lands. That's Sweet. like a better investment. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I played as a Commander, as I like to do. Cool. I'm playing with... Uh, my Muldrofer deck. Yeah, Muldrofer is a great card. So sweet. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's not fun when you have a Winter Orb and a Stasis in play. <laughs> you, you sacrifice them at the end of your opponent's turn, and then so you get an untap, and then just play it from the grave over Muldrofer. Seems great. <laughs> People don't like that. No. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, other than that, like that's that's pretty much the only magic I played. Cool. What about you? Uh, yeah, I, I think I played about 18 hours of Magic over the weekend. Jesus, that's like, a lot of Magic. Yeah, it was sweet. Um, so you yeah, did like three previous events, um, did a mm-hmm. pauper FNM, which was really cool. Sweet. Enjoyed that. I think we had about 15 people for that, which was good. Um, played Mono Blue Delver again. Awesome. Uh, I did kind of horrendous this time, like, <laughs> okay. was barely, barely winning any matches, but I think it was just mostly down to variance, like, drawing sure. a lot of lands, but yeah, it was it was fun, it was all fun the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, yeah, outside of pre-release, um, I played a little bit of Legacy in between rounds as well, because uh, we had uh, a couple of newer players, uh, we have got a, a player recently up in Newcastle who's just moved up from Cambridge, and he's a big Legacy player, oh, cool. uh, so he had brought his Legacy deck with him as well, so I managed to get in a few games sort of mid, mid-tournament. mid mm-hmm. So that was fun, it was a lot of fun, I feel like it's been quite a while since I play, played Legacy. you still playing Storm? I am still playing Storm. Sweet, how, does, how does it feel at the moment? Uh, yeah, it, it feels feels alright. Um, I know there was uh, a modern challenge on Magic Online, and I know it won that. It went like undefeated in that. So I, I think in the sort of larger meta, it's 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 okay. Um, I feel sure. like Storm's one of those weird decks where, or at least specifically, like Ant is one of those weird decks where it's almost like the less number of people playing it, the more powerful it gets. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah, uh, so I think it is flying under the radar a little bit at the moment. I was playing a game against it, and I resolved to turn to Galactic, and they just scooped. <laughs> yeah, uh, my my opponent uh, on on Sunday did uh, did a thing where they just played a Leovold on turn two in one of the games, and it's like, well, that was fun. <laughs> that was a fun game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems pretty much unbeatable. Yeah, ban Leovold. No, it's fine. Oh, it's horrible. It's just. Uh, an egregious R&D mistake don't worry about it <laughs> it's perfect fun. Perfect for the format yeah I'm sure that's a conversation for another time though <clears throat> oh, cool so shall we get on to our cracker pack for this week yeah let's crack a dominaria pack yes I'm very excited to do it I had been doing it all weekend yeah I mean this it's is my fun. first my first foray into actual dominaria limited oh, whereas nice. everyone else has had more practice so <laughs> right. let's do it let's go straight in mm-hmm so one thing to note with these cards, uh, they have made sort of a, a bit of a, a bit of a change to the the foiling process and um, mm-hmm. one of the the card layers. Um, so hopefully it looks like they've sort of uh, solved any of the the curling issues that they had with previous cardstock. Yeah, did they make a big announcement about that? They did. Yeah. Well, it wasn't it wasn't sort of that big, but mm-hmm. there like, was definitely yeah they definitely announced something just before the pre-release weekend. It's really sweet. Yeah, uh, and you can tell just from sort of opening the cards that they feel different like they still obviously feel like magic cards and but they they definitely feel like a little bit more reinforced like the the new foiling is really nice uh, i've yet to see any of them foil uh, any of the foils curl so really yeah previously uh, i know ixalan and rivals for ixalan i had like uh, pre-release promos that were sort of curled 
pretty much straight out of the packet. Oh yeah, I had one that curled before I got it out of the packet. Yeah, so that wasn't great. That's but, really sweet that they've, uh, they've actually made a move on it and actually done something about it. Yeah, no, it's been great. Like I say, I've I have yet to see any of them sort of foil, like any of the foils curl at all, uh, any of the normal cards curl. So I think they've, I think they've cracked it. Sweet. The new foiling does look really nice as well. Oh man, I'm excited to get my hands on to match with Dominaria cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so let's get on with our cracker pack. So first out mm-hmm. the pack, we've got Drudge Sentinel. That is okay. two and a black for a 2-1 Skeleton Warrior. Uh, you can pay three and tap Drudge Sentinel. It gains indestructible until end of turn. That's a pretty good card, actually. Yeah, it's it's fine. Uh, so I'm not that, picking it, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, by default, it's the pick at this point. But I mean, it's the, a new templating of regenerate, right? It is, yeah. So that's it's what really they're doing good. now, rather than, than regenerate. Um, mm-hmm. Now it'll just be there'll be an activation cost, and then it'll gain indestructible until end of turn. Yeah, sweet. Um, yeah, yeah it's fine. It's <laughs> a fine card. You know, currently the default pick, but we'll see what sweet. comes next. Mm-hmm. After that, we've got Rescue. So that's one blue for an instant. And that's Return Target Permanent You Control to its owner's hand. No. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much all i got to say to that. Uh, def- so definitely not first pickable. Uh, are probably unplayable as well. Yeah, I have no idea why this card exists. It's just bad. Yeah, I mean, surely they should have just reprinted Unsummon. Yeah, right? Like It's just strictly worse than Unsummon. I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, it's cool, but it's bad. Cool, so next up, we have Sarah Disciple. So mm-hmm. That is one and a white for a 1-1 one, one Bird Cleric. It has flying and first strike, and then whenever you cast a historic spell, Sarah Disciple gets plus one plus one until end of turn. Ugh. Until end of turn. Until end of turn. Yeah. That's. I think that's the problem with this card. Yeah. Um. I I found that it was fine and sealed. Like you could definitely play a blue white flyers or blue white tempo deck, mm-hmm. and it, it was just kind of like like mediocre, like solid C level card True. to play on turn two. Um, I did feel like that the historic thing did come up more than I was expecting it to. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's as bad as it initially looks, but I still don't think it's great. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of this card. No, I think it might be my first pick over the Drudge Sentinel at this point, though. Yeah, so far. So yeah, I think we're going with that. As we mm-hmm. see what's up next, we've got a Bloodstone Goblin. One and a red for a 2-2 a Goblin Warrior. And uh, whenever you cast a spell, if that spell was kicked, a Bloodstone Goblin gets plus one, plus one, and gains menace until end of turn. Uh, it feels a bit too much of a build around. Yeah, definitely. It's You're going to find that most of the time it's just going to be a, be a, a bear. Yeah, because I mean, like, this is clearly an aggressive card, like a 2 mana 2 two that gets buffed and gets menace. Yeah. But most of the kick spells are either expensive or, like, don't fit into aggressive decks particularly. Yeah, totally. Apart from, like, Skizik and stuff like that, but, like, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel great. So I think I'm still taking the, um... What's it called? Sarah Disciple? That one, yeah. Yeah, the bird. <laughs> sure, the bad card that's good in this context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I agree there, totally. Mm-hmm. After that, we have Arbor Armament. Uh, that's one green for an instant. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature... That creature gains reach until end of turn. Mm, that still feels medium. Yeah, it's not a first pick. No. Definitely not. Jeez, you've got a bad pack here. Uh, I mean, it's it's okay so far. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. I think it's better. Uh, after that, we've got something a bit better. That's the Caligo Skin Witch. Ooh. It's one and a black for a 1-3 human wizard. It has Kicker. That's three and a black. Uh, when Caligo Skin Witch enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, each opponent discards two cards. That feels pretty big. Pretty good. Yeah, definitely. Um, I played a couple of these in my uh, pre-release events. I didn't manage to get one kicked ever mm-hmm. but it's just a, a two mana one three i feel like it's fine in the, in the format like the yeah there's, there's quite a few creatures that are have like sort of one toughness or or two twos so we can just sort of block those mm-hmm. all day long um thalids like thalids are uh, sorry saplings saplings are a thing yeah i sure. can happily just block saplings all day long yeah I, feel, I mean it feels fine and then six mana to have opponent discard two like yeah. If you get there. Yeah, if you get there, fantastic. I feel like at most of the time, the opponent might only have two cards in hand at that point anyway, or maybe even less. So I don't know if you're always necessarily getting sort of amazing value out of it, but I think it's a solid card. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm picking it so far. Yeah, same. It's probably my pick over the Sarah Disciple. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after that, we have a little bit of a throwback card. Uh, we have Mesa Unicorn. Sweet. That is one and a white for a 2-2 Unicorn with lifelink. Uh, this is filler. Yeah, totally. Like, I think it's fine. Yeah, it is. Like, You probably wouldn't be unhappy playing it in your white deck. And there are plenty of things you can do with like uh, sort of artifact like equipment and enchantments to sort of buff it up and make it a bit bigger, make it a bit better. Mm-hmm. But we're definitely not first picking it. 
and I think at this point I prefer the Caligo Skin Witch. Yeah, if I'm taking a two mana creature, I think I want to play, take a one three. Yeah, in a vacuum, it just blocks this all day long. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so after that, we have one of the cards you mentioned last week. Uh, it's a fiery intervention. Sweet. <laughs> Four and a red for a sorcery. It uh, deals five damage to target creature, or you can destroy target artifact. Yeah, I'm taking this so far. Yeah, I think I'm probably the same as well. Like, there is a decent amount of removal in the set, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like this is very flexible as far as removal goes. Absolutely, yeah, like dealing dealing five um, at common, that's just really sweet. Yeah, there are some really powerful artifacts in the set as well, so... <laughs> Definitely. Like... Yeah. I feel like the ceiling on this one is just a little bit higher than Caligo Skin Witch. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, like, there's a lot of equipment that you probably want to deal with in this one that's problematic, so... Yeah, let's oh. go for that, I think. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So, speaking of equipment, uh, we have Jousting Lance. Ooh. It is two generic mana uh, for an artifact equipment. Equip creature gets plus two, plus zero. As long as it's your turn, equip creature has first strike. And it costs three to equip. I like this card quite a lot. Yeah, it's it's fine. Like I don't think it's one of the better equipment in the set. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the the short sword might be just a little bit better. Uh, yeah, I think the short sword at common is probably the best equipment. But, but yeah, I it's it's fine. Like it's not a bad equipment by any means. No, I think I like. Uh, I don't think I'd take this over the intervention so far. But I think no, this, is, this is a good card. This yeah, is a reasonable card. I agree. So, yeah, we're sticking with that fiery intervention. Uh, mm-hmm. Next up, we've got a Pegasus Corsair. That's okay. two and a white for a Pegasus, one three Pegasus. It has flying, and whenever it attacks, another target attacking creature gets flying until end of turn. We've seen this kind of card quite a lot, right? Yeah, we have, yeah. Uh, I think there was Gustwalker in Armanket, mm-hmm. or Arab Devastation. I think it was Arab Devastation. Yeah, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gustwalker was a thing, and then I think there was something in like Origins as well that gave something flying, so... I mean, yeah. a couple of them fairly recently. It's mm, I still don't think this is this is better. Yeah, I I think it's it's definitely playable. Um, I did mm-hmm. play one in one of the white green decks that I played at uh, pre-release, and yeah, sure. Uh, I did. Yeah, managed to give a juggernaut flying, which was quite good. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. But I sh- I don't think it's first pickable. I think if you are first picking it, you you would have to do a bit of a build around. Yeah, I'm still. I think I'm still taking a removal spell at this point. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. So after that we come to our uncommons. Uh, first uncommon, another card you mentioned last week. We've got Howling Golem. <laughs> Sweet. It's, uh, three generic mana for a two-three. Uh, whenever it attacks or blocks, each player draws a card. No. No, it's yeah. As much as it's a great flavor win, it's it's just kind of a bad card. Yeah, it's just not. It's just not good enough. Yeah. If it was a case of like when it attacks or blocks, you draw a card. Yeah, yeah. Great. Windmill on that, but. Yeah, no. I mean, also dies to both modes of fire intervention, so that's just terrible. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, still on the fire intervention plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next card might change your mind, though. Mm-hmm. Next up, we've got Settle the Score. It's two and two black for a sorcery. That's exile target creature. Put two loyalty counters on a planeswalker you control. Yeah, this is just cleaner. Yeah. As a removal spell. Um, the planeswalker thing is next to irrelevant. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah, I mean, four mana exile target creature. That's great. Yeah, it's a fantastic wow. spell. Mm-hmm. Definitely my pick at this point. Sweet. Although that does completely change with the next card. <laughs> sure. Uh, next up, we have Icy Manipulator. Dude, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, four mana for an artifact. Uh, you can pay one and tap it to tap target artifact, creature, or land. Yeah. Yeah. It's just great. That's, yeah. I, I think I would probably just always first pick an icy manipulator. Like, yeah, unless it was like some absurd like bomb. Yeah, I think it would have to be like Khan or something for me not to yeah, want to first pick the icy like. I don't know, man. Like, I think I think I'd rather have this than Khan. Would I? Yeah, Which, yeah. No, I don't know. Maybe I would. Like I said it, and then I thought, well, icy's just great. Yeah, it's just it's just like one of the best cards to open in the set. Yeah, like, um, yeah. I'm absolutely happy slamming that. Sweet. So our last card, the rare, we have uh, Zahid, Jinn of the Lamp. Six mana for a 5-6 Jinn. Mm-hmm. With flying, uh, it also has an ability, or on turn of cost, uh, you may pay three and a blue and tap an untapped artifact you control rather than pay the spell's mana cost. It's a combination with Icy, I- Icy Manipulator. It is. Uh, I am still picking the Icy over this, though. <laughs> 100%. This, yeah. is, this is not changing my mind. But, no. um, I mean, this card's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I again, I opened one in one of the pre-release events I did. Um, mm-hmm. 
it was fine. I felt like very rarely did I actually cast it for the alternative cost. Sure. But even then, like a six mana five six for flying is is okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's fine. Yeah. Uh, would I, would I pick it over maybe the settler score, the fire intervention? Possibly not. I think the settler score might still just come out a little bit ahead for me. Yeah, I think settler score is just that it's it's the next best card after icy. I think. Yeah, but yeah, I agree that just. You just can't beat an icy manipulator. Yeah, it's just sweet. It's just great. Great. Awesome. So, should we move on to our sort of, I guess, main topic this week? Yeah. So, I guess a lot of people, a lot of content creators are talking about, like, the best cards out of Dominaria. Like, it's all everyone's talking about at the moment. Yeah. Um, But I wanted to, in my terrible magic opinion, uh, <laughs> talk about over and underrated cards cool um like so not necessarily what's good or what's terrible yeah. like or, but like what people have been sort of getting really hyped about yeah and uh i don't think it's correct don't believe the hype <laughs> no <laughs> um yes yeah, so I've, got, I've got a list of um my five underrated cards that i think people aren't talking about enough yeah and i've currently got four overrated cards cool. i think people are talking about too much and so yeah i i did my list sort of slightly differently so I've, I've got five cards which I thought performed better uh, at least sort of performed better in limited than I thought they were going to and then five cards which performed considerably worse than I thought they were going to Unlimited based on my experiences at the pre-release at the weekend sure so do you want to go first with your list yeah sure why not cool so I guess I'll go with my overrated list first sure um I do want to give an honorary mention didn't quite make the overrated list. Okay. And uh, what's your honorary mention? It's Lanowar Elves. Oh, Lanowar Elves. Controversial. <laughs> just just stop talking about it. Oh, it's so good just, though. Yeah, you know, it's great. It's like one of my favourite cards, like, but stop we know it's good. You don't <laughs> need to tell me any more about how great Turn One Lanowar Elves is. I know. See, some of us sort of less green and client players. Mm-hmm. While we might understand the power level of the card and the sort of the implications it has for standard, like Mm-hmm. when you cast one there's just a feeling like it just yeah, feels great I mean it's the only kind of magic I play yeah fair enough like, if, I'm not, if I'm not casting a turn one Noble, Noble Hierarchal Birds of Paradise I don't know like I'm not playing magic <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah like the, card, the card's great like, that, I, I understand that's fine please stop please stop telling me it's great <laughs> cool <laughs> I know I know <laughs> sweet so if I get to my actual list yeah so my first overrated card is cast down Okay. Which is one of black for an instant, destroy target non-legendary creature. Yeah. Uh, why do you feel like this is, uh, is overrated? So I think this card's good. Yeah. But I don't think it's as good as people keep saying it is. Sure. Which is basically the, the theme for this list. It's like, it's, I think it probably takes the slot of the go for the throat in, um, in modern, like some, some decks need like a fifth fatal push. Yeah. Or something like that, or, you know, you're not playing a replicate and I think this is fine because like, it, you know, it kills Primeval Titan, it kills Gurmag Angler, it kills these things that like push and bomb yeah. can't kill. Um, but I still don't think it's like, we have fatal push, why would you bother playing this? Like, and then in, in standard, like, I'm honestly not sure it's that playable. No, like, uh, I, I think I, d- I do agree with you a bit on the, the standard front especially like mm-hmm. you, I guess you've got like Glorybringer which is sort of pretty much it at the moment like you can, you can, you can kill the like you can kill the Phoenix but then it just comes back anyway and, like exactly like it's not it's not a clean answer to the Phoenix it's not an answer in any way to Hazrael Scarab God no and like you can kill like Winding Restrictors and Jade Light Rangers but like you were probably pushing them anyway yeah for sure and I'm just not I'm, I'm not sure this card is the truth like everyone thinks it is yeah I mean, maybe if sort of the the monocolor decks do become a thing in standard, like mm-hmm. I could easily see see it against like a Steel Leaf Champion or you know even like a Benalish Marshal. Yeah, absolutely. Like it has my applications, but like in the face of like a history of Benalia, yeah, like it just it just it looks silly. Like I mean, I could be completely wrong. This could be busted. But like you have Raska's Contempt and you have Fatal Push. Yeah, like Black doesn't need this removal spell. Yeah. That's that's how I feel anyway. Yeah, I guess it might see a bit more of a role once standard rotates come September. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, like, it can't even kill Karizev. Yeah, that's true. So like, that's just that's just embarrassing. <laughs> it um, couldn't. It doesn't kill Ragavan either, does it? You can't even kill Ragavan. That's no. that's just too much. I that's mean, just... he is a planeswalker, so. You know. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> you can rascal's contempt him it's fine yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so, so like cast cast down I just don't think it's it's as good as everyone's saying it sure okay um, my next card is uh, Cabal Stronghold okay it's uh, a land it taps for a colorless or you can pay three and tap it to add black for each basic swamp you control yes so it's a throwback to Cabal Coffers yeah totally and when it was spoiled everyone was going 
pretty nuts about it. And I was one of those people. I was like, what? They've just basically reprinted uh, Kamal Coffers, but it costs three instead of two. Yeah. And it's actual mana, so it's strictly better. Um, and I think I went about 48 hours before I actually read the word basic on it. <laughs> Bas- basic swamp. Yep. So, like, it's it's nowhere near as good. No, I mean, it's probably fine in, like, Commander decks. It's not even that... Because, like, the combo is Cabal Coffers, Urborg. Yeah. Right, because it taps for swamps, and yeah. every land you control is a swamp. But this is basic swamp. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have forests and an Urborg... You know, your basic forests and herbal it'll tap for black for those, but like, eh, it's fine. Yeah. I just, everyone could be nuts about it. It was like, oh, this is so good. It's like, mm, it's really not. And I honestly don't think I want to play mono swamps in standard right now. No, I mean, maybe not right now. Um, I I suspect that it might be a little bit of a hint of uh, a plane that we might be visiting sometime next year. Okay. Uh, Theros. Sure. So, so what makes you think that? Because uh, it's it's almost like a like a bit of a take on devotion in a way. Okay. Uh, so I I I think that when we go back to Theros, we we might not necessarily get Nykthos, but we might get other lands that work in a similar fashion. Because I think Nykthos was a mistake, right? <laughs> Possibly. Like it was a very good card, but mm-hmm. I feel like they might want to save that for a future master future master set or even a future commander set. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And maybe they, they kind of wouldn't want too many of the devotion decks of running around like mono black devotion did in particular last time. Mm-hmm. And I feel I like mean, like this yeah, is this is a way of kind of handling mono black devotion without going straight you know Nykthos generate a million mana. Sure. So you're like you because the point of, of Theros was to be priced into playing monocolored decks, right? Yeah, yeah. And like I, yeah, I I think we've got a lot of cards in Dominaria specifically that maybe lean towards that or like play to that sort of that play style. Yeah, definitely. Like we've got the the cycle of the the triple single single color of mana. Uh, yep. cards as well there mm-hmm. uh, and then I think as far as Theros goes the other one that's I guess shouting Theros at me is there uh, that Slin Voda the Rising Deep yeah that's 6 mana 8 8 sorry 8 mana 8 8 with the kicker 2 uh, and if it was kicked uh, you return all creature to their owner's hands except for Merfolk Krakens Leviathans Octopuses and Serpents yeah we had a card like that that had very very similar text to that in Theros right yes well Theros Block I think it was one of the cards uh, yeah, I think it was, yeah. Um, but yeah, like that, those are creatures that we normally find in, in Theros, right? Yeah, definitely. And then if yeah, you so we, like, combine that with... Yeah, combine that with like some of the some of the things that we've seen in the story as well. Like like obviously we know there's a bit of an arc with Elspeth that needs wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Johnny has connections to Theros because of that. Yeah, uh, you had that bit in Eldr- Eldritch Moon where uh, Emrakul was showing a vision of like Gideon sort of having it out with Erebos. Yeah, okay. And then okay. there was the bit. Uh, was it in? I can't remember whether it was Kaladesh or the Ixalan story. Where one of the planeswalkers, I think it was either Sahili or Watley, they planeswalk and they see a glimpse of like constellations in the sky. Oh, dude! And okay. it was, they were quite clearly on Theros. Yeah, I mean, I'm fully into this now. Yeah, I my foil hat is firmly on. And I fully think like some point next year, maybe just before standard rotates, uh-huh. we're gonna go back to Theros. Sweet. I mean, we've got like. So obviously you've got the the trip the trip color yeah, um, yeah. cycle yeah the Benelish Marshal Tempest Jin Dreadshade Goblin Chainmailer and Steelleaf Champion and there's some interesting like Giant Barnard's got trip red yeah uh, there's some other ones as well uh, Lich's Mastery is trip black yeah yeah like Verdant Force is trip green like you know yeah. there's some I'm into it yeah you better be back now because I'm really hyped yeah I I didn't really enjoy Theros that much at the time but I I feel like. I'm getting quite excited about the idea of returning there. I really enjoyed the flavour. I thought the flavour was awesome. But yeah. yeah, the gameplay, like the cards were mm, pretty medium. Yeah. But yeah, like, okay, that's a hot take. I'm into it. Sweet. I can get behind it. Yeah, just kind of wanted to shoehorn that in there while we were talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> you better be right. I'm going to be disappointed. Um, so yeah, Cabal Stronghold, not that good. Sure. Um, my next card is... Hmm, which one will upset more people? <laughs> My next one, Damping Sphere. Damping Sphere. Okay, that's a hot take. It's overrated. Yeah. It's just not. It's just not that good. Like so. So everyone when this first got spoiled, um, everyone lost their minds, right? Yeah. Like, oh, this is just hate card for for Tron and for Storm, and like it's just going to be like a straight include. Like you can play it on all your modern sideboards and. Uh, sure. Okay, I get it. So. Like, the card text is t- two mana for an artifact. If a land is tapped for two or more mana, it produces colourless instead of any other type and amount. Yep. Um, and each player, uh, each spell a player casts costs one more to cast for each other spell that player has cast this turn. Sure. Right, so first first line of text messes up Tron. Second line of text messes up Storm. Um, it's a rest in peace, stony silence type 
just trump card for those matchups, right? Yeah, totally. I don't think those decks actually care. <laughs> like, how many times have you resolved the Blood Moon and Tron has just beaten you anyway? Yeah. Because they got to turn six, cast one coil engine, got to turn seven, cast a carney, and you just lost the game with a Blood Moon in play because you thought it was great. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, um like, and I've, I mean, I've lost games of to storm where i've had two hate pieces in play and they just haven't cared because they're just like echoing truth that sure so like you'll have this in play and be all smug and then storm will go echoing truth your damping sphere go off and kill you yeah maybe um i i, I think i think you kind of have to just respect it a little bit more than that so i think <laughs> the fact that it is so it's colorless is probably yeah. it's probably it's, it's your biggest strong point like you, you can just put it in the sideboard of any deck whereas you know some decks would struggle to find room for, to splash something like Blood Moon, like yeah, no, no, I, I um, yeah, I agree. Like it requires far far less build around. Yeah. And like, like you know, not every deck can play Rest in Peace because you care about graveyards. Not every deck can play Blood Moon because you care about your lands. Yeah, um, I honestly don't think it's that big a deal. Like you don't slam it and win, right? Oh yeah, no, you don't slam it and win. Um, I do, I do, I, I think I don't know enough about Modern Storm. Uh, to sort of give a, a real valid opinion on, on it, but I think I think with Tron, like it, it doesn't matter that much. I think if anything, it, you know, like I've like I've said previously, like it kind of solidifies that maybe green black or like a, a version of green Tron that can t- tap the black mana as well is is the the way to go because then you can just play abrupt decays to get rid of it if need be. Yeah, and even then, like at, at worst, it just kind of slows down your deck so you play Khan on like turn five instead of turn three, like. Yeah, like it's absolutely for like because that's the thing. It's just it's just a speed bump, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like you want your answers to be like haymakers, and you want them to be like stony silences where your opponent just can't do anything. Yeah. Uh, whereas this, they're just like okay, either um, either like just bounce it or destroy it. Yeah. Or just not care and continue playing the game and just win anyway. Yeah. Um, and like it just doesn't fit into the decks. Like when are you casting this on turn two and just like does it matter? Yeah, I guess. I guess the best place for it is probably just casting it on turn one in vintage. Yeah, like absolutely. No, I I think this card is actually the truth in vintage. Yeah. I, think, I think it's actually very very good. Yeah. Like I yeah I'm very into just like um, landmarks this and just like your shop's opponent just cries. Yeah, definitely. Like even like bargain as well or like paradoxical storm like. It, yeah, dude, it like, affects the stuff as well. Yeah, it's dope. And like, like I said, I've said, I said before when we were, when we first talked about this card on on the podcast, like I think that's why this card exists. Yeah, most likely. I think the there's there's the obvious sort of Tron and Modern Storm implications there, but mm-hmm. I do agree. I, I think it, it probably will sort of be at its best, its best in Vintage. Yeah, like because I mean, Vintage doesn't get a lot of support, right? But like, sure. What's your cognizant of it? They've had to restrict basically everything in the shop's deck apart from Mishra's Workshop. Yeah. Because there's a whole reason why, like, if you restrict Mishra's Workshop, a lot of people will get very angry. Yeah. So just print a really potent hate card. Sure. But yeah, I think in terms of what everyone's been talking about, this card is massively overrated. Okay, yeah. I, I totally understand what you're saying there, definitely. I could be wrong. I'm like, I'm perfectly, like, like, I'm perfectly happy, happy to be wrong on, like, all of these cards. But <laughs> uh, I'm not into it. And then my last one on the overrated list, which may make more people angry, is Mox Amber. Cool. I am fully with you on this one. This card is not good. No, I agree 100%. Um, I think it's it's the worst of the Moxen. Like, far and away the worst. Like, definitely. <laughs> like, yeah, I I think the best things about it are the fact that it costs zero mm-hmm. and the art is very nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so why do you think it's bad? Um, I, It doesn't do anything, right? <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. Uh, like, why, why play this when you can play that around? <laughs> Yeah, pretty much to be honest. Like I think the so the best thing about obviously the Moxen um is that you play them on turn one and then you can have like, you know, five mana on turn one, you know, silly things like that. Mm-hmm. But you play this on turn one and it's just not gonna do anything, like ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah, it's only like so obviously so the original the original Moxen from Alpha from Alpha yeah. are crazy busted. Yeah. We know this. Chrome Mox is crazy busted. Yep. Mox Diamond is incredibly good. Yep. Uh, Mox Opal is the reason like three different modern archetypes exist. Yeah. And I think should probably be banned. No. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, I've touched that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, fast man is a problem, like yeah, it, it it is a problem. It's just it's it yeah. It just always feels bad having like your deck banned for the sins of another deck. Yeah, sure, like I mean Lantern doesn't matter anymore. But I like I, I don't know, I think Fast Man is a problem. Like I also think Simeon Spirit Guide should be banned despite the fact that that card is exactly fine. I, yeah. I just don't think Fast Man is a thing for one anyway. Sure. Mark Samba doesn't do that and that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> It, it like there's no way that, no one's ever going to resolve a mox hammer and go oh man this is busted this is really really good 
Yeah, sure. It's it's like trying to go through like what the the best situations would be with it, and it's like although you're either doing something like going like planes, Kithian, Moxamba, Savannah Lions, go. In which case you lose the game. <laughs> Which, like, okay, sure. Uh, or, like, I think the best thing I can see is, like, playing it in, like, Brawl Storm in modern. No, oh. sorry, not Brawl Storm. Um, well, yeah, Brawl Storm or uh, SRAM. Like, the SRAM Ethel Flux Reservoir deck. Uh, um, sure, okay. Yeah. That, yeah, right, sure. Even then, like, it's it's not great. Um, and I, I don't think... So I've seen seen a few people talk about playing it in, in Storm in modern uh, because of Brawl, but... Even then, I don't think it's quite good enough because it it doesn't replace itself. Like it doesn't draw any cards. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a dead card, right? Yeah, I mean it, it's 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 a free storm that taps for one blue mana. Sure, like I still don't think it's better than the rituals. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think it's better like, than like sleight of hand. Like yeah, like I agree. Like it's not better than just like you'd rather play either a ritual or a card selection spell. Yeah, definitely. Um, like like sorry, Karen. Sorry, yeah. So obviously before it was banned, like Kataxian Probe was the card that you would just play in that slot to like have a spell for free but it also replaces itself whereas I feel like Moxam is like way worse than Gitaxian Probe like he has the spell for free but it just doesn't really do anything Mm -hmm. like 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 where where are you playing this in standard nowhere it might be sweet to cast your 6 drop on turn 5 yeah like just play that around yeah that's it like trying to think of like where it would go in standard like Mm -hmm. if there was a way is there a cheap lead like red legendary like what does carries ev because carries ev two mana uh yes yeah two mana so you play it on you play it so you can get shandra torture defiance out on turn three like Mm -hmm. that's probably the best in which case you're a mono red deck that's like playing yeah four bad cards in your deck you're playing four max armor instead of like four burn spells yeah, like, I I don't know. Like, uh, I could be wrong. People have been like going off about this, and like people are selling and buying this card for absurd amounts of money. Yeah, and I just don't. I just don't get it. I don't see it. No, I'm I'm completely completely with you on this one. To be honest, like I I don't think it's a good card. Like, full stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just uh, no. But yeah, um, that is my list of overrated cards. Cool. Okay, so uh, my list of. Well, I guess, yeah, a similar vein, I guess, really. Cards that sort of performed worse, uh, at least at pre-release, and I mm-hmm. thought they would. We'll go with, with that. So, uh, my first one on that list, we've got Khan's Temporal Sundering. Oh, man, that card seems so sweet. Yeah, the art is incredible. Like, it's mm-hmm. a really cool idea. I'm really ha- happy that they printed, like, a time walk effect in what's kind of like, you know, Alpha Alpha 2.0 or whatever. Sure, yeah. Uh but it just it just never got there. Like I didn't have one in my pool myself, but I saw a couple of players who did have, and I, I talked to them about the card, and neither of them managed to cast it the whole game. Why was that? Is it because it's six mana? Is it because it's legendary? A uh, little bit of both. Uh, so <laughs> I think the main factor seemed to be because it was legendary. Like they they couldn't get their legendary creatures to stick around long enough, or they just didn't have enough legendary creatures around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just I think if they'd just made it cost six mana rather than give it that legendary thing, yeah. it would it just would have been a lot better, a lot more playable. Yeah, I guess it doesn't really fit in the flavor though. Do you think they could have put this at five mana? Would it been legendary? I I think so. Yeah, like time warps five mana. Yeah, they said they weren't going to print that again. But no. like, I think the legendary is enough to tip it over where like that's fine. Yeah, I I agree definitely. So uh, yeah, I I just don't I just don't think it was good enough at all. Unfortunately, that's a shame because I was really excited about that card. Yeah. But I, uh, yeah, I see why it wouldn't be great. I still think that, like, yeah, play it as like a like a two of in the uh, the mono blue Jace taking turns deck in modern. Like, sure, yeah, like, it seems good there. But outside of that, I don't really think it has a home yet, unfortunately. That's a shame. So yeah, next up on my list of cards that underperformed uh, was Excavation Elephant. Ooh. So that was a card I quite liked the look of. Uh, it's five mana for a three five. But it has quite a cheap kicker cost of uh, one and a white. Mm-hmm. And when it was a battlefield, if it was kicked, you may return target artifact from your graveyard to your hand. So why did you think that that art is sweet? <laughs> the art? Sorry, I'm not this. this art is amazing. I mean, the art is really sweet. Uh, it's a throwback to uh, another card, which I can't remember the name of, that is the, the, the same elephant, but it's got the armour on that it's pulling in the card. Oh, sweet, okay. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called at all, but I'll, I'm sure I'll, <laughs> I'll find that out later and tell you. <clears throat> sure thing. Uh, yeah, so... So why did you why did this jump out of you like something that should be good before you went into the weekend? Uh, I just thought that like four mana three five is like it's fine in like most cases it's going to be like a you know sort of C level maybe C plus 
playable. Um, the the five toughness is like it's decent, like it can block pretty much anything in the format. Yeah, that seems seems important. Uh, and then I thought the kick the kicker cost was like fairly cheap. Like fair enough, you're still going to spend seven mana on it in total, but one and a white is quite a good like kicker cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the ability of returning an artifact card from your graveyard to your hand, I thought yep. was was great. Um, except I just found that you never really had artifacts kind of go to the graveyard that often. Like sure. Uh, so most of the times, the artifacts that you were going to have were just be stuff like sort of short sword or like that lance that we that we talked about before. Um, they were just kind of stick around on the battlefield anyway. So I found that it was very rarely were you going to get that value of it. Sure. Uh, obviously, there was there would be like a like an odd case if you if you picked up like an ice manipulator or a juggernaut or something and your opponent had destroyed them. Then yeah, great, but. Yeah, I just I mean, didn't think there were enough artifacts at common that were were good enough to so that were, I guess were, were going to be worth paying that extra two mana just to get it back to your hand. Yeah, I mean, like, so you've got so, I mean, stuff that actually goes to the graveyard by itself, like blood tallow candle. Yeah, uh, stuff like like sparring construct, like the one mana one one when it dies, but oh, plus one yeah. plus one counter on target creature control. Like, I think that was probably like the best sort of target for that. I love that card. But yeah, same. Uh, even then, I just I just didn't think it felt worth it yeah that's mm, that's a shame i yeah. think it's cool i wanted the card to be cool <laughs> yeah, i feel like it yeah like it, most of the time like at the point where you were casting it for its kicker cost like you were just kind of like a parody and it didn't really make that much of a difference anyway yeah so i don't know it just just felt like it could have been a little bit more like maybe it should have said return target artifact or enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand like or historic card yeah historic card would have fit the theme definitely um yeah i just thought it just didn't quite get there which was a shame yeah oh well they can't all be good (laughs) (laughs) true uh yeah i guess like most of the cards on this list so so next up we've got uh, a card which i was very excited about but then every time i played it just felt really disappointed Mm -hmm. it was uh, ergoros the empty one oh man so it's four and two black for a four three uh, flyer Uh, Mm -hmm. it has an ability which is whenever it deals combat damage to a player that player discards a card at random. If that player can't, you draw a card. Like um, it sounds, re- good. yeah, like it sounds really sweet. It's like, like I love playing Hypnotic Spectre. Like Hypnotic Spectre is great. Like here's yeah, one that's a, a four. Spectre, yeah, right? here's one that's a four three. That if your opponent can't discard, you draw a card. Like awesome. Except it just, it just never felt like it got there. Like ever. Like I think the the problem with this was the, it was just a little bit overcosted at six mana. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I felt like at that point in the in the game, like your opponent either has a flyer that can deal with it, or they'll have removal. Like, yeah. so I found removal is is fairly sort of heavy in the set, which I think is great for the limited format. Um, and it is kind of like a prime target for removal, which is a bit of a shame, really. Mm-hmm. So uh, pass down. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, I just just did feel like that. Whenever I got one, whenever I got to attack with it. It, it never really got there. Just underperformed a little bit for me, I think, this weekend. Sure, okay. Uh, so after that, we've got a card which I was, again, even more, probably even more disappointed with because I thought the card looked really good going into it. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, it's one of the sagas, so it's Triumph of Gerard. Right, okay. That's uh, one and a white for a uh, saga. So it's got three chapters. The first two are the same. That's put a plus one, plus one counter and target creature you control with the greatest power. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is target creature you control with the greatest power, gains flying, first strike, and lifelink until end of turn. This seems absurd. Like, it sounds like it's really good, or like it, it could be really good or really powerful. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, it just felt like every time I played it, my opponent always had removal. Like, they always had a way to deal with with the creature. So, yeah, sure. So obviously you're, you're putting the plus one, plus one counter on the target creature you control with the greatest power. Mm-hmm. At that point your opponent's either going to have the removal in hand to remove it mm-hmm. uh, or they're not you're going to get in for a little bit of damage or you're sort of at a board state where it's not beneficial for you to attack so you just pass the turn then next sure. turn if that creature survives obviously that's just going to get the counter again mm-hmm. at which point your opponent either has the removal or you're still in a state where it's not beneficial for you to attack yeah yeah and then okay. turn three you give it flying first strike a lifelink which sure it's great like, if it hasn't been like removed already like great if like if it, if it plays off that way like it's supposed to mm-hmm. 
I feel like it is quite a good card, but it just it just never quite did. Like there was always removal, there was always blockers. Like it would always get to the point where they would either kill they'd kill the creature that put the first counter on, kill the second creature that had the counter on, and then it was left with like you know, like a one one sapling or something that like, gained flying first strike and lifelink. Like it's never good enough. Or they like I played it early and only had two creatures. They dealt with them somehow and that was that there was nothing for the third effect to to, to get like True. so yeah again like it's probably more of a build around card i feel like it's going to be a lot better in draft than sealed probably yeah like i i think i'm still fairly excited about like drafting this card yeah yeah um, I, i'm i think I, I would still be happy to draft it um but I did just feel a little bit disappointed with it and sealed. Yeah, I guess like that's one of the problems with the sagas in general is that like they do powerful things, but they're on board, right? So your opponents can prepare for it. Yeah, totally. Mm. Okay, sure. So yeah, I was disappointed with that one. Um, yeah, and again, just another card which I felt didn't quite get there this weekend. Uh, finally, we come to uh, Shanna Sisei's Legacy. Oh man, that's like one of my favourite cards in the set. Yeah, it is. I, I agree. It's like, it's a really cool card. And it should be really, really good. Um, mm-hmm. But I just felt like it, it did completely underperform. Like, you, fair enough, you were getting some decent value out of it most of the time. Like, you were paying two mana and you were getting, like, at least a 3-3, three, three, mm-hmm. which is fine. And uh, it can't be the target of abilities. I felt like that rarely came up. Sure. Uh, but I think if they'd given it, like, trample or maybe, like, I don't know, just, like, another keyword, just push it just a little bit more, it would have been a lot better. Yeah. So, I'm having a, like, a few games where, like, both, so the format's quite sort of grindy, like, it can get sort of pretty slow and grindy, which I think I think is very good, like, it suits the format very well. But yeah. You can get to the point where, like, you have, like, an 11-11 Shana, but mm. it's not really beneficial to attack with it, because they're just going to block with, like, a 1-1 Sapperling. Yeah. So, I just, I just don't think it was good enough. Like, again, it was another card that it comes out and it's like, well, obviously that's going to be target for removal because we got to deal with it before it gets out of hand. So it got dealt with very quickly. Sure. Premium target for removal, definitely. Uh, and yeah, I think you can, I think it's at its best if you sort of do a bit of a build around and like attempt to gain some sort of uh, equipment or enchantments to sort of Voltron it up a bit. But yeah. I feel like in, in most cases, the equipment and enchantments that you'd be wanting to put on it are good enough just to put on any other creature anyway. Yeah, that you don't need the like the pseudo hexproof thing. Yeah, you don't need the one green one white casting cost like True. so I, I think i think the card's fine it, it's just one of the legendary creatures that definitely felt more like an uncommon legendary than a rare legendary okay i mean you still can't cast it down no that is true <laughs> but yeah that was my my list of five cards that i thought sort of just underperformed a bit or i felt was just a little bit lackluster uh, when i was playing in pre-release this weekend sure. so should we move on to the good stuff now yeah definitely so i'm not sure how correct i am in any of these cool but this is like a list of cards that I just don't think people are talking about. Okay, cool. That I think will be will be constructed playable. Sure. Um, so my first one is Seal Away. Yes, I love this card. Like, this card's great, and I just don't think people are talking. Like, I think a lot of people appreciate that this card is good, but I don't think people like are talking about it enough and like just how good this card actually is. Yeah, definitely. Like, so I am very excited about this, and there are sort of a handful of players that I have talked to about this that are also very excited about it. Mm-hmm. One thing we have in common is we're all playing blue white approach or some sort of sure. approach variant. Yeah, like this is just a slam dunk in that deck, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, and just replace any copies of Baffling End that I'm playing with this, like instantly. Yeah, that's that's things. Like, you're kind of priced into playing Baffling End because it was cheap interaction, right? Yeah. But I mean, this is just strictly better. Like, yeah, definitely. Well, okay, not not strictly better because they have to be tapped, but um, and they can get it back. Like, okay, they can get it back and stuff, like because it's an O-ring effect, not like a straight exile. Yeah, sure. But like, this is such a clean answer to Hazaret. Yeah, Hazaret, uh, Scarab Guard, like mm-hmm. any sort of a big sort of I guess large annoying threat or like anything that was attacking, like something like Glorybringer, like dealing with a Glorybringer for two mana is gonna be great. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm very excited for, for this. this. Yeah, it does, yeah. An actual straight answer to the Phoenix. Yeah. Like, sure, if they have enchantment removal and they can get rid of Seal Away. But I mean, that's always been a problem with, like, O-Ring effects. Yeah, like, true. Like, it was a problem for Cast Out, like, anyway. Yeah, definitely. I feel like being able to have a similar effect to Cast Out, but a lot earlier on in the game, is yeah. just going to be great for the deck. Yeah, I mean, like, two mana is just so great. So, like, obviously, you can cast out on turn two. Yeah. I can cast it later and, like, hold up syncopates and stuff. And yeah, just... sure. It just feels really good. Yeah, I cannot wait to play this card. Mm-hmm. It's it's really, really sweet. Sweet, and my next card is Song of Frailies. Okay, cool. Um, so this is this is one of the sagas. Yeah. And it has, coincidentally, my favourite art in the set. Yeah, yeah. It's just... It's, it's a really nice art. 
so uh, it's one and a green for a saga. Yep. Uh, chapters one and two are until your next turn, creature you control gain tap, add one mana of any color. Yep. Um, and chapter three is put one on counter on each creature you control. Those creatures gain vigilance, trample, and indestructible until end of turn. Yeah. I think this card's actually very, very good. Yeah, I agree. It is. It is pretty good. Um, I feel like it's it's quite good and limited as well. Uh, I Absolutely. played a bit of a silly match uh, at one of my previous events where my opponent beat me with combination of that card and fall of the thran which is the uh, six mana destroy all lands armageddon effect (laughs) and then have like and then have next turn all of their creatures have got yeah like can tap for mana that's so sweet and i have no lands like (laughs) that's awesome yeah it was it was a little bit ridiculous but Mm -hmm. also great like yeah like i think i think this card like in like in in a standard environment i think this card's sort of tough to solve yeah i think it it almost sort of fills that spot that uh was it rishkar did with um uh from yeah, yeah and i mean we saw that um cryptolithrite from shadows was fairly playable yeah definitely yeah there was definitely That's a strong work there yeah so this you spend two turns like ramping out some big creatures with your like excess of mana dorks yeah um and then they get this massive buff they get evasion they get vigilance so they can block as well and they get like indestructible so yeah it's indestructible and they still get a permanent buff like yeah. it's a count and not just until end of turn yeah exactly yeah so like it's build around card and I think like I'm not saying this is going to be cracked in like the first couple of weeks of the format no for sure but I think it's like there's absolutely some potential here to be a very very good card yeah I agree definitely like even if it was just like in the mono green deck like mm-hmm. giving like your steel leaf champion a plus one plus one counter so it becomes like a, a six five with like vigilance trampling indestructible turn of turn is pretty good yeah it's just it, like it feels very very powerful and I think there's a lot of cool things that you can do with that card yeah doing um, like carnage tyrant like giving carnage tyrant vigilance like <laughs> yeah, great like yeah like it's stuff like these cards that you, like because there's like you know sapling tokens and stuff like that like yeah yeah just these like sort of things that you just have on the board that then can suddenly turn into like this actual threat. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, so that is, is again something that I did find in, in the limited environment. Like I did have a really sort of grindy game where both myself and my opponent were just sort of pumping out sapling tokens, but then they did draw a song of the frailies, played that, and then eventually their sapplings all got plus one plus one, and mm-hmm. so they just attacked with them. And it, like at that point, it was like, well, I've got a block or else I die, and then when yeah. I block, all of my things die anyway. So great. Like it is one of the sort of cards it just feels really swingy when it goes off and i think it is a good card absolutely yeah so my next card is uh, i'm just going to get the green cards out of the way because <laughs> people are expecting me to do green cards right sure. um grow from the ashes okay this is two in a green yeah for a sorcery yeah uh, and it has kicker for two generic mana yeah search your library for a basic land card and put it onto the battlefield then yep. drop your library and if it was kicked, instead search your library for two basic land cards and put them on the battlefield and shock your library. Yep, a fantastic so, card. Just a just a ramp spell, like yeah. Um, and it puts them into play untapped. It does. I had to read the card twice to uh, <laughs> before I would actually come to terms with that. Like that's really good. Yeah, it's like very very good. I think like I think this is sort of there's been sort of a ramp deck like around. Yeah. For a while, like we've seen like the uh, like the approach decks, like the band versions where you're playing ramp, and then there's those you know those like. A karma deck, so you're just ramping into nonsense. Yeah, and I think this is just a very, very important pickup for sure. For those, and like you know, it's, it scales into the late game where you can you can get two basics and still play stuff. Yeah, do you tap out on turn three to ramp yourself, and then you can still play something if you have a mana open? Yeah, totally. And I think I think there's there's got to be like a, like Llanowar Elves, Grow from the Ashes, Guild Lotus deck, right? Yeah, I mean that's what I did at pre-release. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, literally you've got turn one Llanowar Elves. Turn two, grow from the ashes. Turn three, gilded lotus. Oh, dude, that feels so good. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And then I had like, yeah, as so I had like mana up uh, for like the cast out that was in my, cast down that was in my hand too. Like it was great. It was a really, really good deck. Mm-hmm. So I think there's, there's definite potential there. Like the fact that the lands come in untapped is so like almost game changing at times. Like yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a great card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it. I want to see like what people do with it. Awesome. Sweet. Uh, my next card is divest. Okay, cool. So this is a single black for a sorcery. Yep. Target opponent reveals their hand. Yep. There's an artifact or creature card from it, and that player discards that card. Yep. I think this is more playable than people think. Yeah, I think I agree with you on this one. Like, I don't think I did it first, but after yeah, mm-hmm. thinking about the amount of artifacts and like vehicles they are in standard, then like yeah, sure, it's definitely definitely could be a standard thing. Like absolutely, like I mean, dress effects are normally playable yeah harsh scrutiny which is very very similar to this card was sort of playable almost yeah um and 
like i just think it's very very good like it's it's actual removal but like you know technically removal for like it, it can you can get the scarab out of the hand you can get the hazard out of the hand yeah for sure um, or any problematic halfbacks like i don't think this is gonna be like the best card <laughs> yeah like, i don't think this is it like absurdly good yeah definitely like i i, I mean viable. you're right like i haven't seen anybody talk about this card like at all mm-hmm. no i just i just think it's like it's just a, a solid hand disruption spell yeah um and i think it's me very very playable sure. like it's a bad top deck but i i i'd be happy to play this card Cool. Okay. Yeah. No, I, mm-hmm. I think I agree. I think it is definitely, definitely underrated currently. Yeah, that that, that, that was the point. Like, I'm not like not saying any of these cards are like absurd. Yeah. Just like it's definitely underrated. Sure. And then my last card is Blink of an Eye. Cool. Okay. It's one in blue for instant. Yep. With kicker one in a blue. Yep. Returning target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. If it was kicked, draw a card. Sure. Into the royal. Yeah, it is pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a functional reprint. This card has been playable before. I think it will be playable again. It's great at two mana. It's Great at four mana. I just think this is going to, like, there's got to be some kind of tempo deck. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And, like, Into the Rule has definitely been playable before and saw play when it was when it was in standard. Yeah. And I think it's perfectly reasonable that it can again. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that, that uh, yeah, I think that the card definitely performed, performed better than I was expecting it to. Like, mm-hmm. just the two mana bounce effects are usually, like, okay, but the fact that you can draw a card as well is, like, great. Yeah. Uh, it does. You know, deal with some problematic things like Scarab God, like Hazaret, like mm-hmm. you know, Chandra Torture Defiance. Yeah. So it, like it's not a permanent answer, but it's a way to get it's a way to get tempo in the game. Yeah, and for sure. If you're trying to smash people down, then <laughs> yeah, I'm probably happy playing this card. Yeah, definitely. And it has the strangest art. <laughs> the art is is very bizarre. It's... I have, like they haven't done a card that looks like this in so long. No. No. Why? Why is it covered in eyes? Who knows? I mean, I guess because it's called blink of an eye, but it's, well, yeah. it's blink of several <laughs> eyes, really. It, it, it mentions, mentions an eye. Yeah. But like, when was the last time they did a card that was just like this weird sort of abstract? I don't know. I would, I'd love to see the art direction notes for this. Yeah. Oh, someone's going to find them at some point, right? Yeah, definitely. Got to be. Sweet. But yeah, that's that's my list of underrated cards that I think are going to be more playable than people think. Cool. Like, I'm not saying they're four odds, but... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Next up, uh, I've got the cards which I thought performed a lot better than I thought they were going to pre-release. Mm-hmm, sure. Uh, so, first up, we have the Eldest Reborn. Yeah! So, I thought this was a pretty good card anyway, sort of going into the pre-release. Um, definitely one of sort of the the better of the black cards, I think. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, pretty much just that. Like, it, def- it managed to overperform, or like perform a lot better than I thought it was going to. Mm-hmm. So, it's four and a black uh, for a saga. Each opponent sacrifices a creature or a planeswalker. Each opponent discards a card, and then yep. the last one is put target creature or planeswalker card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. Yeah, this is really good. Yeah, definitely. So I think my initial evaluation of it was more sort of on like the, I guess the the less powerful side because because the bottom isn't great on the card. Like each opponent sacrifices mm-hmm. a creature or planeswalker. Like worst comes to worst, like they don't have a creature, so it doesn't do anything. Or they've got a bunch of creatures, and one of them's like a one-one sapling, so they just sacrifice that. Like yeah, sure. But I think on the flip side, like the ceiling is pretty high on this card. Yeah. And most of the time, it was leaning towards sort of the the more powerful end of the card. Every time I played it, it just kind of felt good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did have one sort of really silly interaction come up with this uh, this Eldest Reborn. Mm-hmm. So I was playing uh, just a bit of a ridiculous deck. Like, I opened one of the best previous pools I've ever had. Like, I had, like, a Muldrotha. I had, like, uh, the Gilded Lotus. I had, like, the, uh, the the Green Mythic that cares about lands. Like, that. And then I had, like, an Eldest Reborn, which is great. Yeah. Uh, so I'm playing my opponent. They're playing, like, a blue-white tempo deck. Uh, I yeah. cast Eldest Reborn. Uh, they sacrifice uh, one of the creatures they had. So they had a they had a Teferi and a two creatures. So they sacrificed one of their creatures. Uh, Passed the turn. They like, uptick their, their Teferi and then they uh, pass back to me. So triggers goes off. Uh, they discard a card uh, from the Eldest Reborn, uh, second chapter of the saga. And then I just swing with my team at the Teferi. Like that card's a really good card in limited. So I think you know it's kind of right just to just to respect it a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I managed to get their to ferry down to three loyalty and pass the turn to them. Yeah. And then for some reason they decided to minus three to ferry to like put one of my creatures back into my library. Ooh, killing the right. Teferi. And I was like, yeah, sure. Go ahead, like do that. That's the thing. Go. Mm-hmm. And then they passed to me. And then obviously I got to use the third chapter in Eldritch Reborn to get their Teferi from the graveyard and cast like have their Teferi. <laughs> which was like sick. Like it was really good. So I, get, I got there to ferry for like essentially like for free because it was like five mana I'd paid two turns ago. Why? Why did they minus three? I don't know. <laughs> what, that, did, 
had they read the Elvis Reborn? They read it, yeah. I showed them the card when I cast it. Read each, each chapter out to them for some reason. They, they they still did it. So yeah, I got the Deferi and then uh, uh, managed to take it up to loyalty and ultimate it. <laughs> <laughs> <That's sweet. laughs> so it was great. Yeah, I managed to win through a, a Deferi emblem that I got from taking my opponent's Deferi. Like it was sweet. That's so yeah, I think that's you know pretty much as far as limited goes. That is like the absolute stealing with this card. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, the fact that I managed to do that in pre-release was great and every other time i cast it was definitely leaning more on the on more powerful end of the card so i think it what? did just perform better than i thought it would why didn't they minus three targeting the artist reborn it's a good question <laughs> <laughs> uh people make mistakes sure yeah, true yeah it was That's pre-release sweet. we'd been here we'd all be playing magic for like six hours at this point like it was fine yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah next up after eldest reborn uh we have another card which this one i wasn't so so keen on or sort of so didn't think it would be that good going into it. Uh, that's uh, Tetsuko Mazawa. Uh, so sure. It's two mana for a 1-3 legendary creature, a human rogue. Uh, it says creatures you control with power or toughness, one or less, can't be blocked. And I, yeah, really good. Like I didn't think that was going to be as relevant as it turns out it actually was. Mm-hmm. Again, in that silly Muldrofa deck that I mentioned, uh, I got a Tetsuko Mazawa as uh, one of my uh, promo cards. Mm-hmm. So, like, even, like, turn one Lanawar Elves, turn two Tetsuko Mazawa, swing for one, unblockable, was, like, decent most of the time. Sweet. And there, combined with, like, the numerous, like, Saffron Generation engines that you have in the format, mm-hmm. yeah, was just really good. Like, make a bunch of Saffronlings, attack with them, they can't be blocked. Like it's just a great way to like break through any board, uh, board stalls that you have. Yeah, that feels really, like there's a lot of one power creatures. Yeah. And, like especially obviously with the with the sapplings and stuff. Like there's a lot of synergy with that card. Yeah, definitely a lot more than I thought there would be. And yeah, it was just it just felt a lot more powerful than I had initially thought. Mm-hmm. Sweet, yeah, definitely. Uh, and then yeah, like another card which I did think was a lot more powerful than I initially thought. Like once again, uh, was slime put the stowaway. Yeah, sweet. So yeah, I, th- I thought it was good. I didn't quite realise how good it was. Mm-hmm. So just the, the three mana for a 2-3. It has an ability, pay four, and you can create a 1-1 one, one sapling creature token. It also has the ability of whenever a sapling you control dies, Slimefoot the Stowaway deals one damage to each opponent and you gain one life. That's very powerful. How did you not think this was going to be good? <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be good, but just nowhere near as good as it turns out it actually was. Like, Slimefoot just wins you the game by itself. Well, not by itself, with, like, its little sapling army. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I thought, like, sure, maybe that, that ability might happen once or twice, but no, you cast a Slimefoot on turn three, or even, like, a turn two with Lanoir Elves, mm-hmm. you're just winning that game. Yeah, like, I think this is one of the cards, like, that's actually going to... Because normally I don't, I don't want to, like, first pick a gold card. Yeah. But I think this is definitely good enough for that. I would totally agree with you as well on that, um, after my experience of playing both with it and against it. Yeah. With the card, yeah, I, I thought it was good, but I think I did just completely just misevaluate the card. I totally underestimated how good, how great it actually is, like... Mm-hmm. definitely like just a total bomb like an A-rated card I would say and it's really really cool yeah <laughs> Slimefoot yeah Slimefoot great <laughs> yeah but even even the fact that it's a fungus like there are other creatures that give fungus and saplings like plus one plus one yeah like it's definitely a build around card as well yeah oh man is this standard playable I it's I don't I, I don't know I don't I don't think it's quite good enough but but you know yeah in a format where you can go Lanoir Elves turn one play that on turn two mm-hmm and then turn three, play, play a Mox Amber and the the sapling, <laughs> <laughs> the sapling generating oh, as well, like sapling migration. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, play your Mox Amber with your slime foots. Sure, build, yeah. build that. Like, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I don't know. I, I I don't think it's quite good enough standard, but mm-hmm. there's I mean there's, there's already a, a decent green black archetype that you could just fit into. Like yeah, like I mean now that you've said that, now that you think it's not good enough for standard, I'm obviously gonna gonna play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and buy four copies now. I can foil like. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like like it's definitely gonna spike, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but no, I I just think yeah, I it was a good card that I just didn't quite respect enough when I initially read it and now I've played with it fully on board the hype train definitely mm-hmm. so yeah after Slimefoot we have uh, one which yeah again I just completely misevaluated it that was uh, Urza's Tome sweet so Urza's Tome is an artifact that uh, is uh, two mana for an artifact you can pay three and tap it to draw a card then discard a card unless you exile a historic card from your graveyard that feels powerful yeah, definitely. I think I just thought that it was going to be a little bit too slow or a little bit just sort of unplayable or 
you just weren't going to get the card advantage that you, you want out of it really or like the card filtering that you want but I think the format in general felt a lot slower than I was expecting probably just because of like the past couple formats we've had have been sort of very aggressive or very fast really mm-hmm. uh, so I just again like I didn't think it was going to be good enough I tried it out and it, it just absolutely got there like it's a card that impressed me a lot this weekend yeah it seems really sweet yeah I yeah. haven't thought about it before, but now that I'm thinking like now that you brought it up like, it feels very very powerful yeah totally that it just felt really under the radar like mm-hmm. I think like a lot at least a lot of the games I played we were just kind of like going to board stalls and just being able to like go oh yeah in your end step draw a card discard a card felt great because mm-hmm. it's it's not really one of like the sort of premium artifact cards that your opponent is going to be saving their sort of artifact destruction for like mm-hmm. they're yeah, going to be waiting for like a like a juggernaut or like a nice manipulator or you know a, yeah, good, a good piece of equipment pretty good about it yeah definitely yeah yeah that's it yeah sweet yeah it's just yeah, not a lot to say about it really other than the fact that it was a lot better than I initially thought mm-hmm. uh, and then finally with that recurring theme where we move on to my last card which is the I'm not sure how you quite pronounce this uh, Dev- Devonant Trapper <laughs> so it's like a D apostrophe A V E-N-A-N-T Trapper mm-hmm. uh, so that is two and a white for a 3-2 human archer it says mm-hmm. whenever you cast a historic spell tap target creature and opponent controls that was good it was a lot again like just a lot better than I thought it would be like that historic I didn't think it was quite going to be as relevant as it turns out it was I didn't really think that this sort of blue white tempo deck or sort of blue white fires deck was going to be as good as it was as well like I thought like it's definitely a deck but mm-hmm. is it actually going to be good turns out like yeah like if you get multiple trappers on board and then you cast an artifact and you're tapping down multiple things like it just it's just great sometimes it can just put a lot of work in so is historic because I, I wasn't sure about this going in like obviously going into the format yeah i think it required some actual playing like is historic relevant like does it come up Do absolutely it, yeah yeah absolutely like because I think because it's it's artifacts, legendaries, and sagas, mm-hmm. there there's a decent amount of playable artifacts in the format. Like say so the vast majority of artifacts are playable, and then couple that with the fact that you're getting a lot of legendaries uh, with them appearing uncommon as well, like a lot more, like considerably more than you would usually in a set. Mm-hmm. They come up a lot more than they would, or at least like, you'd think they would. And then yeah. couple that with sagas as well. I feel like you're going to see a saga less than you're going to see a legendary creature but combining it with a powerful vector of a saga mm-hmm. is also you know, really good. Like, obviously, you're getting extra value for your saga there as well. Like, you're casting it, you're tapping something down, and then your saga does something when it comes into play. Like, I just, just felt that this card might, again, just be a little bit under the radar. I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see it sort of, you know, be a be a major player in the format, to be honest. Or at least a, a lot um, better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I'm like, I think I probably would have gone past if I was past this if I was going for a booster. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I might try and I might try and play it now. Yeah, like it's it's I think it is still sort of a, a build around. It's definitely not first pickable at all. Mm-hmm. But at least like in a yeah, I got, I'm unsure about how great it'll be in draft, but in sealed definitely. Like if you because it's common if you get a couple of them in your sealed pool, mm-hmm. you're after a pretty you know decent start. Like you look at the the amount of playable artifacts and legendaries that are on the format. Is it the new Sailor Marines? I think it might be, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely gonna test that out. Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's quite good as Sailor of Means. Like it takes a lot to beat the Sailor, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think I think that would be quite a fair fair card to compare it to in this set, I think. <laughs> Sailor of Means. Sailor of Means, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Sweet. Those sound like some sweet cards and like I think you've made me more excited than I already was to actually just draft this format. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely loved the the sealed format at least. Like I, I haven't I haven't done a draft yet. Like I've I've done a few sort of draft sims, um, mm-hmm. you know, proxied up some packs and stuff, but uh, I've yet to to do a proper draft of it. But I, I just really can't wait. Like yeah, everything about the format feels good. Like it feels like the power level is absolutely spot on. Like it's a fairly powerful format, but there's not sort of any one or two card that will completely like steal a game like it doesn't feel like as bomby as something like Ixalan was yeah uh, it feels a lot slower than it they have been recently as well oh uh, yeah I think I'm excited about that yeah definitely and then yeah combine it with like you've got some really good mechanics like kicker is one of the best limited mechanics I think absolutely combine that with like the mass removal in the set like every color has decent access to decent removal at pretty much every rarity mm-hmm so I just think it's quite possibly one of the best draft formats I've ever... Dra- well, one of the best limited environments I've ever played in. And that's after how many sales? 
Uh, that's after three seals, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure, that's, that's a bottle playing. Yeah, like, certainly certainly better than any I've played for a, a good couple of years, I think, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very ready for that to be true. Sure, awesome. Um, and hopefully I'll get a draft in soon. Sweet. Yeah, so I think, once again this week, we've sort of diverged from our regular form, well, I say regular formatting. <laughs> uh, yep. We will be back to a sort of your regular schedule programme next week, um, once Dominaria's had a bit of a release. Uh, but yeah, that's about all we have time for this week. I'll say once again that Godfarer has returned. Uh, we'll see you next week in Hour of Devastation. Sweet.